thought that this one will be um, will be seen as a, uh, a buying opportunity rather than a uh, head in the sand, the, the world's going to end situation. Nick, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Nick Smith, Japan strategist at CLSA in Tokyo. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final update on the markets for this morning. Uh, stocks, first of all, around Asia continue to slide following that Apple profits warning. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is down about two-thirds of a percent. Uh, the ASX 200 in Australia off about a quarter of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea down close to one percent. And the Hang Seng set to lose about 150 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is at $57.45 a barrel. Uh, gold's trading at $1,586 an ounce. And in the currency markets, uh, the US dollar touched weaker against the yen at 109.8 this morning. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for more Money Talk. Back chats coming up after the 8.30 news with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong this morning. The weather forecast for today, fine and dry, cold in the morning. The maximum temperature is going to be about 18 degrees during the day. There is a cold weather warning in force along with a red fire danger warning. And the outlook is for it to be cold in the morning and dry during the day. Uh, tomorrow temperatures are going to rise gradually in the latter part of this week and it's 12 degrees right now 57 percent relative humidity it's 8:31 and a half here's samantha butler with the half hour news the mainland's coronavirus death toll has jumped past 1,800 after 93 more people died in Hubei province. In its daily update, the Provincial Health Commission also reported 1,800 new cases, a decline on yesterday's figure. Mainland health officials have also published details on 45,000 confirmed cases as of last Tuesday, saying more than 80% have been mild. The virus caused severe disease such as pneumonia in 14% and critical illness in 5%. The fatality rate was 2.3% and higher for men than for women. The U.S. technology giant Apple has warned it won't achieve its forecast revenues for this financial quarter because of the coronavirus outbreak. Both production and demand in China have been affected. A document shown to the BBC suggests some of the estimated one million Muslims placed in Chinese internment camps were sent there simply because they had a beard or wore a veil. Others were considered potentially radicalised by the authorities because they'd applied for a passport. The document appears to set out how officials decided the fate of Uyghur detainees. A leading expert on the subject, Dr Adrian Zen, says the level of detail is unprecedented. It gives reasons for why people have been put into re-education camps. It gives information about their entire family circle, three generations, about their social circles, about the religious inheritance that they've had. And then finally, the authorities are arriving at a verdict of whether this person should be released or not. And oftentimes there's multiple entries where we can see how a verdict has changed or evolved over time. The Chinese embassy in London insists the camps are vocational training centres. The office of the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says one of its advisers has resigned after he was criticised for controversial comments online about women, eugenics and race. Andrew Zabisky insisted he'd been quoted selectively. He'd been appointed after the Prime Minister's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, who led the Vote Leave campaign during the EU referendum, called for misfits and weirdos to apply for jobs in Downing Street. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Blake. 
In tweets announcing his resignation, Andrew Sabisky said he'd been subject to a character assassination, but said he didn't want to be a distraction. His reported comments included a suggestion that enforced contraception would help prevent a permanent underclass, that women's sport was comparable to the Paralympics, and that black Americans had a lower average IQ than white Americans. Two Conservative MPs were among those who publicly called for Mr Sabisky to be sacked after Downing Street refused to condemn the comments or say whether the Prime Minister agreed with them. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. A few questions that have come up in recent programmes we hope to address today. Should you wear a mask and when? Should the government bring Hong Kongers back from Wuhan? Is there enough toilet paper in Hong Kong? Are there enough masks for medical workers here? Well, let us know your answers and your questions too, of course. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3, or you can email us, and our email address is backchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call, and our number is 233-88266. That's 233 Joining us for our, our first topic uh, this morning, we have uh, Linda Lee, who's Professor of Political Science in the Department of, Pol- of Politics, uh, po- sorry, the Department of Public Policy at the City University, and Dr. Susan Jameson, who's a physician who's been working as a family doctor for 25, uh, 26 years uh, in Hong Kong. Good morning to both of you. Um, Professor Lee, uh, let's let's maybe uh, talk to you first. Um, so uh, we hear the the news. I think it's uh, fair to say it's quite welcomed in Hong Kong that um, uh, the uh, Hong Kongers who are on board that uh, cruise ship in Japan uh, will be returned. And I guess a lot of attention now will turn to Hong Kongers who are uh, in the mainland and in particular in in Wuhan at the centre of the uh, of the epidemic. What's your take on on the options available to the administration there? I think your early question, whether we should or should not bring them back, I mean, the people from Wuhan, I think absolutely a positive. I think um, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, these people are elite, okay, and, and, uh, and then we, I think there is a, a, a just very simple responsibility of the people, uh, I mean, of, of the government of Hong Kong to take back our citizens uh, when they are in, 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 in great difficulty abroad. And uh, also, this would uh, relieve um, the authorities in Wuhan, and uh, in Hubei, of um, uh, you know the, because they are heavily stretched, you know, in resources. Um, so I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm happy to to take notes uh, what's going to happen for uh, the evacuation of uh, the Hong Kongers from the cruise. Uh, so uh, hopefully, that exercise. Uh, would give some, um, you know, experience for our Hong Kong authorities so that they, they, they can proceed with the Wuhan um, project, you know, I, I mean the Wuhan, taking uh, uh, back the people from Wuhan as soon as possible, hopefully within this week. Um, I think uh, I think we should trust the government uh, in in mm. executing the evacuation. You know, as we can mm. see now with the Diamond Princess, they will be brought back um, on chartered flights, and um, and the stewardess will will, not, will be wearing protective clothing, etc. But but I think it is more sensitive to bring back um, Hong Kongers uh, from Wuhan than from Hong Kongers stuck in uh, on the Diamond Princess. Do you think so? 
Well, I don't know what, what you know. I think it could be more difficult. I would say, okay, it's more difficult because, uh, and also the number of people there, stranded there, is obviously much uh, is bigger group. Uh, but I think the a meta principle is that whether we should or should not do it, then obviously I think I don't see we we we, we can distinguish the, the, the two groups simply because one is in on board of a cruise and one is uh, uh, in Hubei. Uh, I think the moral responsibility is the same. So I think the the, the fact is how we can meet the challenge and get it done. And if um, uh, we we have seen other governments have already evacuated their, uh, the residents from Hubei, and so I think we have a lot of experience to learn from them. Uh, so we, Hong Kong is not the first uh, first uh, territory to 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 evacuate people. So I think um, uh, the, I, I I think uh, and I heard uh, personally from people, uh, I mean mainland authorities, they said that. Um, well, I think uh, they they would be happy to to uh, cooperate with the Hong Kong authorities. So I think um, uh, as long as we take care of the public hygiene conditions, um, you know, I, I think we should simply do it. Uh, you know, you could argue we're doing pretty well in Hong Kong in terms of the numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. We've only had one death, and the actual you know numbers of those infected has been pretty steady or only increasing very 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 slowly but but what about sort of in political terms professor lee what what do you think of the government's performance oh well i i don't think everybody everybody have have the score already i think that's pretty clear i think our government has not uh performed well i think that is an understatement um uh but um uh but since they're still our government okay uh, what what we can do now is actually um, uh, uh, encourage them to do their utmost. All right, because uh, we, uh, we, we there's no election for forthcoming, there's no candidate. Okay, uh, and then uh, we don't have the power to to uh, depose them. Also, I, I think you know right now um, they simply have to roll up their sleeves and, and perform. And uh, well, we were told uh, days ago that 10 people, uh, I mean 10 Hong Kongers in, in Hubei, have confirmed, uh, have been confirmed, uh, uh, you know, of the disease. And uh, there's no update uh, from uh, from that point. And, uh, and I'm sure, you know, things might be evolving. So I think this is pretty urgent for us to take them all back. Uh, I think uh, I would I would say that uh, we should not leave those uh, confirmed sick uh, behind in Wuhan as well or in Hubei as well, because the medical conditions there are are, are, are very different from the conditions in Japan, right? So in Japan right now the practice is that uh, those confirmed sick would uh, would leave in uh, would, would remain in, in Japan uh, for treatment. Uh, uh, but uh, I don't I, I would not advise you know we would leave the people. Uh, in in Hubei, I mean the those that are confirmed that in Hubei. And I think um, we can take example of the Americans when they drive uh, when they fly back their the the citizens from the Diamond uh, Princess cruise. They take back everybody, including the fourteen of those confirmed uh, confirmed ill, right? Confirmed of the virus, so they can make arrangements. So I think uh, we we can simply learn from people how to do this and and just just do it right away.
Well, one one big challenge and difference is that um, we oh. have, um, uh, you know, Hubei, the whole of Hubei is shut down at the moment. And it's not like Tokyo that you can send people there, you know, immigration department people were there to help out um, the Hong Kongers on, on the cruise? Well, the other governments were there already. The other government has been in Hubei. They have completed their evacuation. Uh, I think, um, and I, I have not heard any uh, mainland uh, official saying that uh, Hong Kong is not allowed to do it. I think um, they, I think they know um, the, the needs of the Hong Kong people. And, and if we are... We, if we are united and saying that we would like to help our people, it's not that we don't trust the, the medical uh, uh, facilities there. But everybody knows that even the mainland government say that they... Well, the main, I think our, 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 uh, the Hubei, Hubei uh, citizens, they, would, they, they, they need more help in terms of medical help. They don't want, they don't want more patients, okay? They don't want more patients to, to share their resources. So, um, so I think if we take back our own patients, we can leave behind more resources for them for, for their use. So I don't think, you know, um, as long as we, we, we manage this uh, situation with um, good skills, okay, we are not blaming other people for not helping our own people, but we simply we have to help our own people in the least. Okay, uh, an email from uh, James uh, who has a, who encloses a picture or a, t a link to a picture of uh, Carrie Lam. You might have seen uh, giving out um, some uh, surgical masks to uh, some people, uh, especially elderly people living in housing estates, I think last night. Uh, and James says, uh, the pictorial definition of too little, too late. For your listeners, a photo of Carrie Lam handing out masks to the needy last night. I note the masks were actually donated to the government by private organisations. It seems the SER government is now a registered charity. Who should we be relying on? It comes uh, from James. Professor Lee, what, what, what do you make of that? Let's start, first of all, I mean, in general, with the, with the, uh, with the government's uh, PR efforts, their attempts to... Uh, to uh, sell themselves. How do you think that's going? Uh, and secondly, w what about this issue of, yeah, it seems that political parties and uh, certain individuals and even restaurants are able to get hold of masks and, uh, and, and are giving them out. Uh, do you think that puts the government in a bad light or, or puts them in a good light particularly and the government's got other kind of things on their mind? What's your take on that? Well, <laughs> I think... Um I think the PR exercise, uh, you know, of the government has been very disastrous. I think um, everybody, uh, again, you know, um, uh, is so clear. Um, well, at the same time, I think um, it, it, um, many people of Hong Kong and many corporations, uh, small companies, they have come out to help of the needy, uh, which is the beautiful side of Hong Kong. Uh, well, I think the government has started eventually a few days ago. Um, our chief executive announced that uh, it would uh, uh, it would uh, distribute those uh, masks it has uh, secured. I mean, uh, you know, uh, people donated to the government. They would distribute those uh, masks uh, to to um, uh, the needy uh, communities, uh, which is a good thing. But I uh, and then yesterday I saw uh, uh, well, there has been news reports that. Um, our chief executive and our senior officials coming, uh, coming out uh, to, to distribute some of the masks to some of those uh, communities. Um, uh, but at the same time, I think um, 
the government has been very uh, quite slow. Okay, uh, uh, very slow, I would say, uh, in um, you know, for instance, uh, executing uh, pledges or plans that it has um, promised the community. For instance, how uh, the distribution of masks to to uh, the cleaning contractors, the cleaning workers, right? Uh, well, uh, yesterday we seen a, re- uh, a survey uh, um, uh, by some groups uh, of, of the cleaning contractors, and many of them are still having difficulty of getting enough uh, masks uh, for the day-to-day work. Um, uh, so I think, yes, our government certainly have a lot to improve, but at the same time, you know, um, well, well, at the same time, I think... Um, uh, I think the government has to, you know, focus to. I think the the the. the, the I, I would I would simply want to see really good progress within the coming days of um, the Hubei Hubei evacuation because, um, well, on one hand, while we're living in Hong Kong, we feel that oh my goodness, yesterday we got three more cases, okay, and then uh, Macau has been clear of. Um, uh, new cases for 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 more for more than ten days already, and then uh, but but I think our risk is relative cannot be compared with uh, what our people in Hubei they are undergoing. So let us not forget our own people in the least, um, and I think politics should be set aside and then uh, on this point. And so for humanitarian reasons, we we should simply demand our government in a united voice saying that please. Okay, help. Okay, uh, please stay on the line. Uh, we've got some uh, emails yeah. and, and, and so on to respond to later. But we're also joined now, as I say, by uh, Dr. Susan Jameson, a, a, a family doctor in Hong Kong. Good morning to you, Dr. Jameson. Hi there. Thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. I hope you can answer, first of all, a, a simple kind of question that's uh, arisen in particular yesterday. We, uh, we have uh, our co-host, uh, Mike Rouse, who... Um, who Boasts, I think you can say that, says he never wears a mask uh, and won't wear a mask. Um, uh, and um, we got quite a lot of opposition from from uh, from listeners. Uh, for example, okay, here's the comment from Tom on Facebook. I agree with a lot of Mike Rouse's opinions, but on the mask issue, I feel it's common courtesy to go along with local customs, especially one that involves an existential fear that people are very emotional about. After reading a few days ago about the British super spreader who didn't feel any symptoms while going on a skiing holiday in France and infecting at least 11 people in Europe, my vote is now firmly in the masket camp. Curiously, most of the French people I see in my one Chai neighbourhood are not wearing masks. Do they know something we don't? Is that evidence that this is a French bioweapon or is it a Chinese bioweapon to stop the Hong Kong protests, a virus which oddly targets mainly elderly people? A lot of strange logic out there these days and some of it is coming from US senators, uh, says uh, Tom. Uh, And uh, John says... Uh, your host in the studio, that's Mike Rouse, can be infected with coronavirus for many days without symptoms. Droplets are released when breathing, coughing and sneezing, potentially infecting everyone in RTHK. Even the most poorly educated person in Hong Kong knows this. Therefore, RTHK should be sensible at this time and avoid a host like Mike, who fails to follow basic hygiene at this time. He should be banned. Uh, That comes uh, from John. Uh, Dr. Jameson, should we be wearing masks? Well, look, um, I mean, I was consulate advisor in SARS, and I've been through a lot of these horrible, horrible scares, but m- my view is not to scare the public. This disease is not deadly. Less than 3% of people die. On average last year, 12,000 people a month died of influenza in the world, according to WHO. On average, 12,000 a month. 
in the world. So I always reassure people that this is a virus that apparently is not that fatal. Masks now, um, undoubtedly, they've been proven to help spread the disease for people who have the virus. But remember, they're spreading it by spluttering and sneezing all over people. So that is symptomatic, right? So it's not entirely true what that fellow said. Um, um, and I look at international experts. U.S. National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Disease says there's no evidence that it helps for the public to wear masks. Um, so you say no. You say no. We don't need to wear a mask. Well, I look at the international experts, U.S. National Center for Respiratory Disease and Immunization, international public health professor Whitworth at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, similar. The 2014 study after SARS provided no evidence that it was helpful for the public. Now, there's two different things. Health professionals wearing a mask, yes. Anyone symptomatic with, and it is flu season, people get colds all the time, of course. Anyone symptomatic, it's been proven to help stop spread um, of virus or illness, whether it's bacterial or viral, if they wear a mask. But the general public, um, it is completely unproven from international experts. So personally, I focus on boosting the immune system with people and help them, their own immune system protect themselves. Right, but if we see from the, um, you know, of the confirmed cases so far, um, a, a lot of them are family clusters. Um, you know, they, they live together in the same apartment or they were having dinner together. In Singapore, there were nine cases uh, from one church. So after, a, you know, a, a church, an assembly in the church, uh, they all got ill. So I presume that um, a mask would be at least safe in, well, in crowded the evidence, environments. Well, evidence is only if they're symptomatic. I presume they were sneezing or, and coughing over other people. Well, I'll I, I tell you what happened. Yeah, but I'll tell you what happened yesterday yeah. is that Mike Rouse, as he was talking, explaining his situation, coughed, and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then we got a flurry of people saying, "Look, he coughed." And the, the fact is, you cough anyway, whether you whether you've got the flu or not. People do it unconsciously all the time, and you can spread the disease that way. You don't have to have you don't have to be, you know, uh, symptomatic in that sense. Well, <laughs> what I'm saying is that anyone who is coughing or sneezing, I think they know whether they've got something a little bit more than clearing their throat, let's say. Let's call it clearing your throat. Um, it should definitely wear a mask. It should absolutely. And it's proven that that will help prevent spread of disease. So I, I think... Um, and of course you sneeze. I mean, pe about people, people sneeze. And it's a bit much. But people sneeze when they, you know... some. People sneeze for in the light for the light or change in temperature so or allergies. Yes. Yeah, you just sneeze now and again anywhere, you know, just it doesn't And I think those people know whether they're allergic because or maybe they've walked into air conditioning or whether they actually have a cold coming on. So I think it's a little bit of personal responsibility here and No, but you wouldn't know. I'm saying you would you'd be sneezing because of for, for some other reason, but you'd still be you'd still be um Do you think people you, are you idiots? Still... Of course they know if they're allergic or not. No, but you would no, the point is that, no, no, no. Yeah. The point is that it's asymptomatic. Okay, so you so you have the disease, all right, and you can be spreading it. And of course, this has happened. Um, I mean, I'm not making this up. There was there was a super spreader, in, you know, in in uh, in France and and Singapore. So you you have you don't know you have the disease, but you naturally spread it by coughing and sneezing in the ordinary course of events. Well, I really don't think. I mean, I certainly don't cough and sneeze in ordinary course of events. I think most people are like this. I start sneezing when I know a virus is coming on. And it's been, this is how people transmit the disease, by sneezing on each other, basically. 
And, you know, if anyone is in that situation, they should be wearing a mask. So what I'm saying is the general public don't need to be in such fear. Don't need to be in such fear um, about themselves wearing masks. I mean, it's obviously public transport, different situation altogether. Large congregations of people such as church, different situation. This is, this is common sense, though. All right, uh, another email, this is from John, who says, Missing from this conversation is the effect hundreds of millions of people panic buying face masks, but most of whom don't even know what pro how to properly wear them, has on supplies for medical staff who now have difficulty getting access. The general public may think it's just a social courtesy, but the cumulative effect does cause a real medical problem. All this for something which has debatable medical benefits. Most, if not all, of the cases in Hong Kong, for example, the hot pot case, would not have been prevented by public wearing of face masks. Uh, in the hot pot case, if they were wearing face masks, do we know would that have made a difference? Dr Jameson? I didn't quite get that. Made a difference to what? Well, would, wouldn't have spread the disease so readily. Um, I think we're getting lost in... What we know from evidence is that they, were, they do protect people from spreading disease if they are sneezing, basically. They do not protect the general public from anything unless people are sneezing around them. So I think we should have to stick to, to the facts and what the respiratory experts internationally tell us, which will take the hook off people worrying so much all the time. As I say, there are different situations, um, public spaces with large amounts of people, public transport. This sort of situation is one thing. Okay, uh, some more uh, emails. Okay, this is from uh, Jay, who says, As for the Diamond Princess, it's obvious the virus has grown through the aircon system and, uh, and fomite contact. They need to open the windows for ventilation. Young crew members can be asymptomatic carriers and are the probable vector delivering meals. Um, that's mm. uh, his... Really Another factor yeah. here is that these paper masks do not stop... They would not stop viruses in the air anyway. They wouldn't stop that, these paper masks. This is why I encourage people to build up their immune system. And, you know, this has happened in a building in Hong Kong, I know, through the air conduct. Well, that's what we think. Um, so that's why I always encourage people to do what they can and not be so reliant on bits of paper. Okay. Professor Lee, some, some questions for you now. Uh, Drake says, instead of asking, should we evacuate Hong Kong or some other places, try to ask, are we prepared to take them back? The government had only allocated a f small fraction of protective gear to the hospital authority. The majority of the stock went to the police and other non-medical frontline departments. I don't know if that's true, Drake. Um, N95 masks are on ration at all hospitals, even reused at times. And we're relying on Li Ka-shing to acquire masks worldwide to donate to frontline medical workers. That's not the preparedness we would expect to bring back possible patients from uh, epicenters. Alonso says your guest is highly critical of the Hong Kong government's response to the coronavirus. But given that we only have around 60 cases so far, less than Singapore and Thailand, shouldn't the government be given more credit than it has done? That's from Alonso. And Peter says, uh, could you please ask Professor Lee to comment on how the Hong Kong returnees from Wuhan and Hubei might be greeted by others in Hong Kong, as many locals are far less solidaric than during SARS and now protest against quarantine centres and radical protesters even attack local clinics and quarantine centres. That comes uh, from Peter. Professor Lee? On solidarity, right? Um, well, so, certainly that's why I, I appeal, okay, to our community that uh, we should put aside 
politics at the time, you know, because I heard some comments, uh, people accusing, you know, people who, uh, uh, people who are staying in uh, Hubei, uh, they are they are different type of people than, uh, uh, than, than, than some others. I think these kind of comments are not helpful at all, and they are also groundless. Um, uh, even though, it, well, whatever ground there, there is, I think they are, they are, these are irrelevant. Um, simply, um, a community should have, um, I think, and, and the government should have a moral responsibility towards our, uh, its citizens um, in, 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 uh, in a time of uh, great need. And I think um, having an epidemic uh, right now, I think that, that is the time. And so, uh, very obviously, these people stranded in Hubei are, are in great danger. Uh, and uh, they, they, they are under a lot of pressure and strain. And so um, I think it's the time for us to, to, to help as a community. And, 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 of course, the government has to take a lead because uh, we private citizens, private citizens uh, don't have any capacity to, to help out in, in this kind of situation. What, um, yeah, what about Alonso's point? It's easy to criticise the government, yeah. but we've got, if we've got fewer than Singapore and Thailand, we're actually doing something right here. Uh, you mean fewer cases? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say government has doing everything wrong and nothing right, okay? Uh, I think um, I would, uh, uh, well, there has been um, medical experts like um, uh, Dr. Yun, uh, 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 K.Y. Yun, he has uh, gone on the record a couple of times saying that in the initial phase, our government has, um, of the outbreak, I think our government has done very well, okay? So it's only after the we have the first um uh, imported case that the government, uh, you know, muddle, you know, uh, regarding, you know, what, what to do, and especially, uh, I mean, our our internal um, disagreements uh, about uh, about the situation also uh, also affected the government's decisions. So, I think uh, uh, whatever case, I think uh, now now situation is put under. Uh, uh, control. I, I think it, it's, um, uh, you know, uh, the situation in the last few days um, indicated that uh, uh, things are un under containment, okay. uh, which is good. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, right. Uh, Professor Lee, thanks for joining us from City University. Thank thanks to Dr. Susan Jameson uh, as well. The weather, fine and dry. Cold weather warning, 13 degrees, humidity at 54%. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chewett. In the first part of the programme, we were talking about uh, political implications of uh, or political stance of the uh, government and also the idea of uh, bringing Hong Kongers back from uh, Wuhan and also talking about the uh, usefulness, efficacy of masks uh, in Hong Kong. And um, that seemed to have set off a bit of a <laughs> bit of a storm among uh, listeners uh, with the suggestion that they really weren't very effective. Okay, uh, John says in an email, yes, please bring these international experts, those are the ones who said that you didn't need a mask, uh, bring these international experts to the Pact MTR or Mong Kok. The situation here, nothing like overseas. And uh, on the Hot Pot case, Neil says, do you expect people to eat through their masks? Very likely. Uh, uh, Drake says symptomless carriers are around and we have countless cases who were simply dining or attending a conference to support that. No one sneezed, no one coughed. So the doctor's comparison with symptomatic flu does not apply here at all. So stay away from the crowd, but when you have to come I'm close contact with others, have some kind of separation, but not necessarily a mask. 
says uh, Drake. And S says, I don't care what the so-called international experts say. The bottom line is that it's quite likely that we have fewer cases of the COVID-19 because everyone in Hong Kong is being sensible and wearing masks. Even a person speaking with you might be breathing moisture on you. That's uh, from uh, S. Uh, JL says hospital and the elderly should have priority for face masks. We're going to be taking that up in just a moment. Uh, given the science behind the efficacy of face masks for the general public, healthy people should not hoard face masks. It's selfish and uh, disrespectful. Uh, John says, I think we need to clarify the point Hugh is trying to make as the doctor seems to be missing it. A person can have the virus unknowingly if they aren't wearing a mask and then just suddenly sneeze or cough, which can happen, could spread the virus. Uh, and um, Drake says, instead of uh, asking... Uh, yes, hang on. Uh, so Mike says, I'm bored, change the subject. Why do more men die with the virus? They smoke more, lowers their immune system and lung function. Duh. Uh, that's uh, Mike. Um, thanks for that. And uh, Alan says, how do we know all cases in Hong Kong are being reported um, accurately? And uh, Toby, who is a policeman, says, in reference to your listener who wrote in, that was uh, Drake, who wrote in to claim that all masks and protective gear was given to the police rather than medical staff. This is simply untrue. That comes uh, from Toby. OK, you're both wrong. <laughs> um, Toby, uh, uh, Drake didn't say that. He didn't say all masks and protective gear was being given by the police. Uh, he said the majority of the stock went to the police and other frontline medic uh, and other non-medical frontline departments. Um, um, I think uh, Drake, uh, some suits, some of the medical personal protective uh, equipment, uh, the police needed more of it rather than the health department. Um, it's, it's rather more complicated than just saying, um, uh, saying that uh, the bulk of it went to uh, the police rather than to the health authorities. Um, so you're both wrong. And I'm right. <laughs> OK, uh, we're joining us now is uh, Joseph Lee, who's a healthcare sector lawmaker. Later, we're going to be talking to uh, Gilly Wong from the Consumer Council, in particular on the toilet paper uh, issue. Um, let's talk to uh, Joseph Lee now about, about the issue of the, uh, uh, of the face masks and, and protective uh, equipment. Uh, Mr Lee, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. What, what, what is the reality about the supplies? Because we hear varying kind of accounts. Um, your, uh, the nurses and, and uh, staff that uh, you're associated with in, in public hospitals and so on, um, what is the situation? Are, are they satisfied? Well, regarding those um, <clears throat> supply of protective players in the hospital, obviously now we're still not satisfying with what the reply from the hospital authority. Because currently... Uh, as uh, the hospital authority announced that there will be uh, <clears throat> around a, a month of uh, stock uh, at hand. And that means around uh, a ten, ten some millions uh, of protective gear in, in the hospital's authority stock. That means the, and then the hospital authority requests uh, frontline staff to um, use it diligently. And the issue is, I believe, all the frontline medical and healthcare staff have never abused the use of PPE in the frontline. That means they use whenever necessary. That's the situation. If the hospital authorities still uh, request the staff use it diligently because of shortage of stock, but that causes a lot of problems because that will break the industrial control chain and the standard and practice within the hospital. What might cause uh, in, in the high, end up with a high risk of uh, hospital outbreak 
of coronavirus infection. That would be a very uh, uh, high-risk situation. So uh, the Association of Hong Kong Nursing Staff and called for uh, uh, industrial action that requests the hospital authority, uh, first of all, make sure that there is uh, ensure that the supply of the protective gear for all frontline staff immediately, and also to announce the roadmap and timeline on how to top up and purchase and, uh, and make sure the supply, uh, when and how the supply will be uh, enough for, uh, for frontline staff use. And thirdly, we'll announce regularly to all frontline staff and the number of stocks at hand so that to make, to make sure that the staff will be used uh, comfortably. And that's now a situation. And as we can see over the past weeks, the situation is um, going um, uh, not bad, I should say. It's not going worse. And the hospital authority is trying to top up the stock. And hopefully, uh, with all those efforts, and fun, uh, um, the frontline staff can have adequate supplies uh, of uh, protective care. And by the way, not just frontline uh, medical and health staff, but also patients, as you can see. Whoever be admitted in the hospital by at risk of cross infection. So we also request that patients should have a standard kind of practice of having two face masks per day and uh, every uh, single batch will have uh, in the back end of the batch we have an uh, alcohol hand rub to make sure the patient to clean the, uh, the hands uh, enough to minimize cross infection. Um, Joseph, um uh, are you clear or is your association clear as to, you know, what kind of um, mask is in shortage? Uh, you know, the report says that N95 um, uh, is in shortage, but um, not the surgical mask. And then there's the PPE, the protective equipment. And, you know, there's a bit of shortage there as well. Is that correct? Well, that is the situation right now. There's a lot of rumours that uh, as to whether which types of uh, protective gear as to N95 face mask, I mean surgical face mask, and then a protective clothing, face shield, eye shield. That's a lot of PPEs. And the hospital authority has to clarify which types and the number or total number of each, each type of protective clears or protective equipment as well, so as to ensure that the staff know and they, uh, when they can use it and are they, are they adequate. And if if there's a rumor that, well, N95 would be a kind of shortage, those so hospital authorities have to clarify, well, in what way they're going to top this up. And by the way, and as you can see in the hospital setting, uh, currently we do have a general ward, and those, those patients with suspected cases and those patients with isolated cases. And so and there's various types and various standards applied to protect uh, the patient and the frontline staff. And not every nurses and medical staff have to wear N95 in any circumstances, but they only have to wear N95 in suspected cases ward and also in isolation ward, as in general ward. And surgical face mask will be enough. That's the whole situation. Oh, okay, the, the, we had that message uh, from Drake, who was, who was, to be fair to him, he was saying that um, uh, the police and other non-health uh, uh, linked uh, branches of government or departments had received uh, had received more equipment, more PPE uh, than uh, than the, the, than the uh, health department, uh, and it's actually it depends on what kind of equipment you're talking about and and, and so on. Um, but is there a feeling among you think health workers that they are being shortchanged, that the government is overlooking them? Is is that a widespread feeling? Well, for the past weeks, as you can see, as to the 
total number of uh, protective gears uh, in the government stock or in the hospital authority stock, quite a lot of confusion and discomfort. And obviously, the, uh, my understanding is that the hospital authority have their own ways of stocking up those protective equipments. And as far as the government stock is concerned, the government, well, eventually announced the total number of uh, stocks, uh, like some 8 million that kind of stock. But uh, whether this stock is channeled or allocated to the hospital authority or other users, well, the government, uh, I think, finally have no clear, men uh, clear mentioning about this point. But uh, I guess what the frontline healthcare professional concern is, is the hospital have authority have enough support from the government to make sure that all the tendering of protective gear will be enough. And that's the whole point. As to the number already, the government has allocated the stock to other departments, the police. Well, it's not the focus. The focus is now the frontline staff to make sure that if the government has enough stock, well, hopefully, well, then the government should allocate adequate amounts to support the hospital authority. If not, the hospital authority has a responsibility to make sure that they can buy uh, enough stock for the frontline uh, medical staff to use it. Well, um, you said before that the usual practice is to uh, change masks uh, every half day, so two masks a day for nurses uh, at the front line. Um, if that's the usual practice, I guess the, this practice has not been deviated yet. Well, uh, as far as this practice is concerned, uh, what uh, we are trying to um, translate all this into action is according is in accordance to the hospital authority set the implicit control measure and standard. That means uh, from the uh, hospital authorities set the standard that two uh, of every patient to have two masks per single day to make sure that they are well protected and a hand rub at the upper end of the bed. And for nurses who are working in a general setting, whether it's general ward, psychiatric ward, or OPD or specialist clinic, to have four face masks per day and also four sets of PPD. And for nurses who are working at the suspected case one, at least two face masks per day, two N95 per day, and four sets of PPD. And for those who are working in the isolation one, at least to have two face masks per day. And each time they perform a, pay, a, a procedure or care, they uh, isolate the patient. They have to change the full set of PPD. That is in accordance to the hospital authority set standard. That's why we uh, call for our nurses and, uh, and frontline medical staff to adhere to this standard to make sure that minimize all the uh, outbreak across infections. Uh, just to minimise outbreak within the hospital setting. What are your thoughts on on, on panic buying of uh, of toilet paper and attempted panic buying of of, of masks? Not you can get not you can get your hands on them. Uh, what do you think that tells us? And what, what's the cause? What's the solution? For the past two days, there was a panic buying of not just toilet stuff and also face masks and rice or food stuff among uh, in the community. That is quite worrying. That's only we will. Uh, our government cannot in command. That means the authority, uh, 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 if, if she is still in authority, that are still not in command in the situation. The court caused a lot of worries. As you can see, the uh, online rumors are uh, increasingly said that there will be shortage of those like uh, daily essentials. But unfortunately, I don't think the SAR government is capable to lead the public to show, to demonstrate that well, there will be adequate supply, even though some of the suppliers think that the supply of 
uh, rice and toilet rolls are still uh, adequate. But still, people are quite worrying about the situation. So I guess uh, what the government is incapable in- to do is to give a sort of at least psychological comfort to the public to make sure that things are going well. Unfortunately, I think, uh, as you can see, for the past weeks, in leading Hong Kong people to fight for the coronavirus, I don't think the government is capable in doing all this. Yeah, we were talking about the number of confirmed cases in Hong Kong in the first half of the program, and Hugh remarked that um, you know the confirmed cases um, are around 60, 61, whereas in Singapore and even in Thailand the numbers are higher. So sorry, sorry, on the sorry, just put this in. Uh, sorry, not not in Thailand. Uh, thank you very much, yeah, Nikki. Okay. That's corrected us. The uh, so uh, Thailand has just yeah. announced its thirty fifth case, considerably fewer than Hong but, Kong. But, so yes, uh, true. So Singapore. Singapore is higher. So so surely our hospital team, our doctors and nurses are doing something right, and although um, there is a um, shortage of, um, you know, manpower and, um, you know, different equipment, uh, we are still doing something right. Um, Joseph, is that, is that a good well, sign? As you can, so as you can see, um, start from the beginning, I mean, starting from uh, last year, in uh, late December, uh, I guess all the frontline staff and the hospital authority Maybe the hospital are, are doing very well to control, to or contain the hospital infection outbreak. And unfortunately, uh, that is uh, the way we're trying to fight against coronavirus within the hospital setting. They are doing stringently, really, uh, originally, and they're doing very good. Unfortunately, what you can see, starting from last September and early January this year, the government is told, have a total fail to ban the virus and influx into Hong Kong in the cross-border kind of situation. So that means the government has failed to prevent the virus coming into Hong Kong. It all depends on, and that when the virus into Hong Kong, infected people in Hong Kong have a kind of community outbreak, So even though it's small scale. And it all depends on the hospital staff to fight against this virus, even though they are doing very good. But unfortunately, that is not the situation we want. What we would like to is the government doing very well to ban the total number, uh, the total uh, influx of coronavirus into Hong Kong and stop the community outbreak so as to decrease the number of con- confirmed cases within the community. That would be the right situation. Unfortunately, I don't think the government doing this uh, very well in the past weeks. Just, just briefly, can I ask, what's, what's your situation, I mean, what's your view uh, on the masks? The administration, Carrie Lam, uh, did say that uh, principal officials were going to avoid wearing masks, and it's absolutely necessary, so to save stocks for uh, frontline medical workers. Uh, do you think that's the right uh, attitude? Do you think we should all be doing that and only wearing masks when absolutely essential, perhaps? Well, probably, as you can see, the um, behaviour from KRM is totally disconnected with the public and the reality. Uh, as a government principle... Well, official, maybe the public is disconnected from reality. Well, I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, whether the public is too worried about uh, uh, from the expert advice to wearing masks. To, uh, and what is the main reason why the public um, willing to wear surgical masks, face masks, and in the daily life, it to protect themselves and also to protect others. The purpose is to prevent community outbreak. That is the real situation. That is the advice from the expert, and obviously that will be a kind of psychological situation. The public would like to help themselves to help the community, but the principal official, especially KRM, failed doing so. 
that's why we got we uh, I, I just mentioned that she probably disconnected with the reality. The, the point is not uh, whether the principal official try to save a single mask for others' use. It's not the situation. The situation is the government has the responsibility to make sure that there is adequate supply of face masks to all the community, and not uh, from uh, not depends on those supplier or not depends on individual from the community who's uh, trying to source around the world uh, face masks to protect themselves. And so, what we, uh, where, where is our government? What are the government doing? And how the government will protect ourselves? That is a lot of the whole question, which revealed that KRM is totally disconnected with the reality. Okay. Uh, some uh, more emails. Drake says, The professor accused me of making groundless accusations. Apple Daily and The Stan News both reported that in the first round of allocation, police was given 130,000 masks, Department of Health got 300. As for surgical masks, 1.3 million went to the uh, Department of Health, followed by 640,000 allocated to the police. Yes, Hugh can say it's more complicated with the actual usage, but I didn't make that up. Okay, that's uh, Drake's stance. And uh, S says maybe Mike Rouse needs to ponder why the people in the conference in the Singapore hotel caught the virus and uh, were wearing masks. Also, the virus got transported to many different places. In addition, the government does not deserve any credit for the disease control. It's the public who has learnt hard lessons from SARS and they're taking sensible and necessary precautions and often knocking practical sense into the government by way of protests to get the point across. That's uh, S's take. Uh, Mike says on face masks, there is a worldwide mask shortage due to the normal flu epidemic in the US, where 14,000 deaths so far. And uh, Andrew says, yesterday's toilet paper heist, this was that robbery, uh, became one of the lead stories on BBC News and Sky, among others, continuing to solidify our image abroad as a basket case. The bog roll bandits were described as being three masked men, which in the current environment doesn't narrow things down much for the police, although they could perhaps at least eliminate Mike from their inquiries, I guess. Anyway, in spite of the police having little to go on, in stark contrast to the robbers. Sorry, I think I read they have now been apprehended. I hope their sentence won't be soft but strong and incredibly long. Uh, sorry again, I'll stop now. Thank you, uh, Andrew, for that for that contribution. Uh, and there's another email from Drake, which we get to back with uh, Joseph Lee in a moment. But um, Gilly Wong joins us now, Chief Executive of the Consumer Council. Ms Wong, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you, you very much indeed for, for joining us today. I, I know the Consumer Council has been concerned with this, with, with the issue of the panic buying. I'll, I'll tell you what it is about the panic buying. You can say, don't panic buy, but if you haven't got any toilet rolls mm. you, and you go into a shop, there aren't any there. And if you see one, you're naturally going to grab hold of as many as you can, can't you? I mean, and then it's a cycle, and I don't know how you break it. Well, I think it is, uh, it is a negative uh, virtual cycle. Uh, but um, well, what I want to uh, clarify with the public is in the past couple of weeks, um, the Consumer Council actually has been closely contacting um, the importers of toilet rolls uh, into Hong Kong. In reality, there are not that many companies. We are talking about four to five company, major companies that um, uh, have quite a number of uh, famous brands in Hong Kong um, already. And they all confirmed the fact that um, since Monday last week, um, the, um, the plant in China has already started operating uh, in, uh, in full scale. So um, because in the, um, previously, um, why there's such a panic buy is because they said they, they have no idea when the plant will start operating. But they all confirmed to me that um, 
the plant has already started working and the supply uh, has already, you know, coming into Hong Kong um, very quickly because um, the transportation to Hong Kong is very, very short. In just a few days, you know, the, the shipment will arrive. And the reason why we can see the empty shelf is, um, first of all, you know, when you look at, you know, something is in shortage, you have to look at, you know, the supply. So that means you know, we got a confirmation that the supply is not a problem. The shipment uh, and, the, and the inventory is already coming in. But on the other hand, uh, we have to understand the logistics. Even when the, um, the product, the toilet roll arriving, um, uh, our, our customs, and then get into the warehouse and then from the warehouse to the retail points, that takes time. And what we can observe is for those that um, ship directly by um, the importers, um, we can see the shipment arrive, you know, fairly quickly and fill the stock. So, you know, the, the, the public can buy the toilet rolls, you know, fairly quickly. But on the other hand, for supermarkets, because they have their own logistics management, um, with so many products in, uh, in one supermarket, uh, they may not be able to, you know, fill up the, um, the, the shelf, you know, as quickly as the public want, because the public is panicked right now. So on, on normal circumstances, they, want, they buy probably only one row or they don't stock up at home. But what we can saw is, um, uh, what we can see from, the, from different news is there, there are many people stocking up uh, toilet rolls at their home, We're talking about 10, 20 uh, rolls of um, um, toilet papers. So that, is the, that kind of demand will definitely stretch the market. So what we are calling for right now is um, really don't panic because we have stock for that. And you could see some um, news starting reporting yesterday already that there are piles and piles of um, toilet rolls already showing up in different supermarkets because they make special arrangements to ship more from the warehouse to the, to the store. So what we believe is if we can just stay calm for a few days, let the stock to fill up um, 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 moving, you know, from the warehouse to, to different retail points, that will soften, you know, the, um, the concern of the public right now. Um, yes, that, that, that's a very rational explanation of the situation. Thank you, Gilly. But, um, you know, when, when the public is so afraid, um, you know, this sort of irrational fear, um, is, is very worrying. How, how would you um, alleviate this consumer fear? Uh, I think um, uh, it, is, it requires quite a number of parties to work very closely together because the public fear is about they don't get it ever. Um, they, they have no idea when they're going to get the new uh, supply. But um, the information flow uh, from the importers all the way down to the public has to be very transparent. Um, I could see some retailers actually, they sent a press release on their own to talk about the supply is really stable, but that didn't pick up by the public at all because they, they, they don't pick up, you know, that kind of news. Um, so what we believe is very important to give the assurance of the public that, you know, how the supply is moving into Hong Kong, uh, do we have adequate supply, uh, and also in the supply coming into Hong Kong, when you've, according to what they told me, is um, told the council is, it is talking about multi, multiple times of the normal usage of Hong Kong every month, per, per month. So what we believe is with that kind of tremendous supply coming into the market, um, that will ease the, the pressure of the public to uh, panic buy. When you see everywhere you have toilet rolls, you don't panic anymore. But if you don't see it and it's empty shelf, they will panic. So I think by showing them that you know there are more than enough supply for you to to meet your demand, this is a very very good way you know to to uh, to ease the public concern. Okay. Um, what we can see is 
for for those um, last week when we don't have any uh, um, rolls or maybe you know it is the the, the filled up is not as quick as what the people um, purchase. Um, all the different kinds of offers that we enjoyed in the past has disappeared from the supermarkets, and even at um, the drugstores, the price it fluctuates, you know, quite a bit. Um, you usually can enjoy a, a cheaper um, toilet paper from the drugstore. Now you don't have it. It may be even higher than the supermarket as well. So you can see when there's a disruption in a very stable market, we can see that kind of side effect happening. Uh, what about uh, in past week? And bleach and disinfectant and other cleaners like that. You can't find them either, can you? Um, we saw bleach actually coming in right now. Bleach is a very very heavy product. It's liquid. So shipping into Hong Kong, that takes longer time, according to our understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we saw is because like, we sent people to different uh, districts to check out um, um, the, the, the inventory of, um, of, uh, of different cleansing products, for example, hand rubbed um, and alcohol, we saw actually the product supply on a very fragmented basis exists in the market, but the price has gone up quite substantially. Yeah. Reasons being is uh, we we don't know you know the import price, but uh, according to what the the retailers told us, the 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 wholesale price is uh, higher than before. So that's why you know, they have to market it at a higher price. But we don't know how much margin that they are marking up. This is something you know very very difficult you know to have a very holistic analysis on it because it change fluctuate you know quite quickly. When the market is stopping a little bit uh, in because they couldn't afford um, such a high price. The market slow down a little bit, then the price will slow down. And for certain retailers, you know, they don't want to, um, they don't want to uh, profiteering. They just, you know, selling it at a normal price, plus a slightly higher margin. So we can see the price fluctuation is quite high, you know, in the market right now. Okay. Well, Giddy Wong, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Joseph Lee, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just one more email. This is from Drake, who says, unfortunately, many nurses are reportedly reusing their masks for the whole day deviating for one mask per half day. N95 run ration at many hospitals as well. Is that true? Well, that is the real situation right now because there is, uh, because uh, uh, as the hospital reporting announced that there is a stock is dropped rapidly. Uh, some of the frontline managers uh, try to request the staff to reuse, in quotation, the protective care. That is totally unacceptable. And that will uh, end up with a high risk of course infection among staff and patients as well. So, uh, the situation is quite worrying, and now the hospital authorities should uh, do it quickly and rapidly to top up the stocks and also make sure that uh, all the frontline staff uh, will uh, use the equipment according to the hospital authorities' set standard. Okay, well, Joseph Lee, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. A few more, few more uh, emails and there's some discussion on our Facebook page as well, which I haven't got time to uh, read today. Maybe I'll try and get to that tomorrow. John just says, on toilet paper, I resort to the old style, a bucket of water. And uh, Neil says, why say that the total number of cases, sorry, with the subject line trite comparisons with Singapore, why say that the total number of cases shows us doing a good job? Maybe Singapore is better at diagnosing than Hong Kong. Also look at recovery rates. Singapore has 24 totally recovered, Hong Kong two. Singapore has four serious or critical cases, Hong Kong has seven. What are you measuring? That comes from uh, Neil. And uh, Bowen says, the doctor in the first half of the show repeated a piece of misinformation often banded about by certain quarters. She said 12,000 people die from the flu every month, but out of a total of how many people have been infected? For example, 35.5 million got the flu in 2018-19 season in the US and 34,000 
200 died. The death rate is therefore about 0.096%. The death rate of COVID-19 is about 2%, although it's said, maybe said to be a bit lower than that. Still, so that's 20 times that of the death rate of flu in the US in the last season. So if you want to compare figures, compare the equivalents. And Professor Lee was right in saying we should put aside politics in discussing the issue of whether to bring Hong Kongers from Wuhan. That applies in most other discussions in the current crisis, actually. That comes from Bone. Bone, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ada, thank you very much indeed. Noreen, thank you very much indeed. The weather, fine and dry. Cold this morning. Maximum temperature today about 16 degrees. Sorry, 18 degrees uh, during the day. And the outlook, cold in the morning and dry during the day tomorrow. Temperatures rising gradually in the latter part of the week. At the moment, we have a cold weather warning and a red fire danger warning. 14 degrees, relative humidity, now 48%. How to clean our hands properly. First, wet hands under running water. Then keep hands away from the running water. Apply liquid soap and rub hands together to make a soapy lather. Then rub it in accordance with the seven steps of hand washing. Palm. Back of hands, finger webs, back of fingers, thumbs, fingertips, wrists. Rub our hands for at least 20 seconds. Rinse hands thoroughly under running water. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. The mainland's coronavirus death toll has jumped past 1,800, with 98 more deaths nationwide. Hubei province, meanwhile, has reported 1,800 new cases, a decline on yesterday's figure. A document suggests some of the estimated 1 million Muslims placed in Chinese internment camps were sent there simply because they had a beard or wore a veil. Others were considered potentially radicalized by the authorities because they'd applied for a passport. The document appears to set out how officials decided the fate of Uyghur detainees. And the chief executive of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, has pledged 10 billion US dollars to help tackle climate change. The fund would give grants to projects by scientists, activists and non-governmental bodies. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Well, he talks to journals as the stories unfold. Shooby-dooby, musos and actors. Good morning. No matter young or that old. There's tons of stuff going on. Moves them through the studio. Oh, yes, yes. Before their coffee gets cold. Don't be stupid, drink it. Because Phil Whelan likes to chat. Imagine helping people with just downloading an app and clicking something. I don't think the Communist Party wanted to do this. We have a nightclub on the roof. What if our country is run a different way? We welcome you to the Morning Brew. With a chef, he might be just kind of chewing the fat. He's really good at that. Because, 